And through loving one another as God and Jesus loved us, we'll discover that our own hearts will be greatly refreshed by the love of Christ. I think that's uh, the wonderful thing about serving others through the work of Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit in our lives. It refreshes us. It helps us. It draws us nearer to the Lord himself. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. So we're in John chapter 13. We've been making our way through the Gospel of John this year and brings us to chapter 13. We get to chapter 13, we come to the final 24 hours of Jesus's life as he makes his way to the cross. And here we are going to spend the next seven chapters, chapters 13 through 19, that is going to deal with the cross. I know that we do this every Easter, and we're going to take the next 10 teachings to work our way through the events that surrounded Jesus's death from John's perspective as he gives it to us here in the Gospel of John. We're going to see a supreme example of love in John 13. I broke it into three main sections. A supreme example, verses 1 through 16. A subverted heart, verses 17 through 30. A supreme love, verses 31 through 38. Father, I pray that you would just help us to learn from this great example that you've given us in John 13. You will state that you gave this example to your followers that we should do likewise. And I pray, Lord, that we would see the extreme example of your love through serving your disciples then, but also, Lord, that we'll be reminded today of the superior example of that love through your work on the cross, your death, burial, and resurrection that gives us life and hope this day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. He had this troubled spirit, the Lord Jesus, in verses 21 through 26. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then his disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. And Simon Peter therefore motioned to him, motioned to John, he's talking about John here, motioned to him to ask who it was of whom he spoke. 
and then leaning back on Jesus's breast, John said to Jesus, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, it is he whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And so the signal was the dipping of this bread. And there's a point at this meal that Jesus's, his spirit became noticeably troubled. The disciples could feel it, they could sense it, but they also heard it as Jesus said, one of you shall betray me. They were all just amazed, they were perplexed. They didn't know, in fact, the other gospels, Matthew and Mark, we find that each one asked, is it I? They didn't know the depravity of their own hearts. Could I be the one who would betray you? You know, these were good men who loved Jesus, but had not yet been covered by his blood because Jesus had not yet offered his life on the cross as a sacrifice for their sins. But through the cross, the Lord brings that cleansing to our lives. In Ephesians 2.13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. One of the great downfalls of many believers is their unwillingness to stay near to Jesus. I like it that the word tells us that John was near. I mean, he describes himself throughout the gospel as the disciple whom Jesus loves. That's why I'm able to say that this is John. But I love it that he was near to Jesus. And we find those in the New Testament that did not always stay near to Jesus. There were those, the Laodiceans, known as the lukewarm church in Revelation 3.17. They said, I am rich. I have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And Jesus said, and do you not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? You know, sometimes we drift away from Christ and we don't realize just how far we have drifted. And we think everything's good. I'm rich. I have need of nothing. And Jesus said, no, you're not. You're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You know, staying near to Jesus gives us greater insight concerning the walk of faith that other believers who have distanced themselves do not have. But it also allows us, I love this, to lean on Jesus, especially in times of trouble. It's those moments when you know you're in trouble and you don't know exactly how things are going to work out. Several years ago on December 26, Lily had transient global amnesia. It means that she had a total memory loss for a period of uh, about six to eight hours. And it was enough to wipe out Christmas. The only reason she remembers Christmas, it's important to take pictures. She saw the pictures. Her memory was so wiped, she lost those days. She knew we had children, but she didn't know if they were young or small. I mean, it was just, she was confused. And there was a point to where I realized something was going on. And I knew that we'd have to, you know, I needed to call an ambulance and go through the whole process. Something was happening to my wife. And before I did anything, made any phone calls, I stopped and I said, Jesus, I don't know what's going on, but I know I can get through it if you go with me. That was my prayer. That's all I said. And then I went on to make the phone calls to do what was necessary to get her to the hospital. And uh, 
it ended up that it was something that would go away and it just so happens, I love it how the Lord works these things out. The doctor she needed to actually eventually see happened to be in the emergency room when we got there. And he said, I've rarely ever seen this happening while it's actually happening. Usually it's after the event. And so he was kind of exciting to see it too, as a doctor, scientific purposes only. <laughs> but to be close enough to Jesus to lean upon him when you're in trouble. You know, Jesus will be there when you cry out, but I'd rather be close when I cry than far away when I cry. John was close. Judas, not so close at this time. Physically, yes, they were on either side of Jesus, but one, his heart was far away from Jesus. This darkened heart, verses 26, we pick up all the way through 30. Having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. And then Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he had said this to him. For some thought, because Judas had the money box, the treasurer, that Jesus said to him, buy those things that we need for the feast, and that he should give some, something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, he went out immediately, and it was night. We've already learned that Satan had put it in the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. Judas had already went to the chief priest, and he had already planned and been given the funds for the betrayal. But it was at this moment, I think, that Judas reached the point of no return when he surrendered his will to Satan's. And it tells us that Satan entered him. Satan had been tempting him, but it was at this moment that Satan entered him. It reminds us that we can be tempted in this life, but you don't have to go there. You know, in James 1, 14 and 15, it says each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, it gives, it brings forth death. There's a point to where you can toy with something that eventually it becomes sin to you. But you don't have to let it go that far. Even though Judas betrayed Jesus, he had allowed Satan to influence his life. I believe there was still grace enough at the cross, even for Judas, only if he would have believed and received. Only if he would have not just remorsed over what he had done, as we'll learn about as we continue on in John's gospel, but if he would have just repented for what he had done. But that was not the case for Judas. In Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, remember that there is grace enough at the cross, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God that no one should boast. And no matter the heart, I believe there's grace enough at the cross to forgive our sins even to this day. We close out with a supreme love, verses 31 through 38. First, we look at a glorified son. Remember, Judas is gone now. And so when he had gone out, Jesus said, verse 31, now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. 
And if God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Man, that's a lot of he and hims and glorifieds there in those two verses. But basically, we find that, first of all, as Judas went out, I kind of envisioned this like dominoes being set up in motion, Judas being the first one. As he went out, he set the dominoes going, and it would just go until Jesus went to the cross. He died. He went into the grave and rose again. It was as if Judas became that first link in a set of standing dominoes, and they all began to fall in order until this would play out within these next 24 hours. And despite the hour of evil that came upon Jesus, Jesus knew that these things were working for his good, to the glorification of Christ and his Father. And that's what he's talking about here, uh, glorifying his Father and his Father glorifying him, that this was going to work out to the glory of both Jesus and the Father. Hebrews 1, 3, and 4 tells us, Jesus, who being in the brightness of God's glory, in the express image of God's person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Jesus, in the express image of his Father, he purged our sins there on the cross. Philippians 2, 10 and 11, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, and those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And so to the glory of his Father and through glorifying his Father, he knew that his Father would glorify him. Verses 33 and 35, a new commandment, the Lord said, little children, I shall be with you a little longer. And you will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So I say to you, going by way of the cross, a new commandment I give to you, verse 34, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus not only gave the commandment to love one another, he also gave his supreme example of this type of love through his death, burial, and resurrection to the extreme of how we should love one another. You know, in the New Testament Greek, there's two basic Greek words, phileo and agape. Phileo refers to a brotherly love. We get uh, the name Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love here in the United States. Well, that comes from that Greek word phileo. It speaks about more of a give and take love. I love you because you love me. We're brothers. Love one another. But then there's agape. I have kind of come to the conclusion that agape love is a giving love that never expects anything in return. It's this type of love that God has given and displayed to us through sending his only begotten son to die for our sins, as I've already mentioned. In Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrated his own agape, his own love toward us. 
as Christians, I believe we're to be known by both agape love and phileo love. He said you should be known by your love for one another, this brotherly love for one another. People should recognize it, but also by that agape love, giving a love that expects nothing in return. I don't want you guys to raise your hand on this because I think at times we might be all guilty of it. When we perhaps have served someone expecting something in return, or at least uh, they didn't even say thank you, some kind of gratitude, acknowledgement, we're not to serve that way. And yet, you know, we do at times. Our hearts get hardened by this world. Jesus wants us to say, stay soft in his love. First Thessalonians 4.9, but concerning phileo love, brotherly love, you have no need that I should write you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Paul said, I don't even need to write to you about this issue of brotherly love because Jesus already said that you should love one another. And yet he wrote it. I think Paul was saying to the church in Thessalonica, you guys need to hear this again. Remember the words of Jesus, love one another. Romans 12.10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. And through loving one another as God and Jesus loved us, we'll discover that our own hearts will be greatly refreshed by the love of Christ. I think that's uh, the wonderful thing about serving others through the work of Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit in our lives. It refreshes us. It helps us. It draws us nearer to the Lord himself. Jesus said in John 15, 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. He repeats it again later on in this gospel. We're to love one another. But at the same meal, he foretold of a denial. He already told the one who would betray him. And we close out with the one who would deny him. And Simon Peter said to the Lord, where are you going? So Jesus said, where I'm going, you cannot follow. And so Peter said to Jesus, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterward. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. You know, Jesus went in advance by way of the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection to pay all the necessary requirements of the law. Jesus went in advance, but he also said, where I am going, you will follow. In Mark 8.34, Jesus said, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And it appears that Peter meant every word. I believe that Peter had full intention of following through. Lord, I will die for you. I'll lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus said, will you lay down your life for my sake? We know at the Garden of Gethsemane, John tells us it was Peter who took the sword, chopped off a guy's ear. Not a very good soldier. He was a fisherman. And I think that's why it's dangerous for those of us who are not soldiers to think that 
we could be like those TV movie actor guys or gals. It won't work out that good for us. We'll end up chopping off somebody's ear. It just won't work out good. But I believe that Peter meant every word. We find that he was willing. He drew the sword. And yet, before the night was over, he would deny our Lord three times. Thankfully, Peter repented, was restored, and became a great man of faith. And though Jesus had to face the cross alone, he did say that Peter would follow. In fact, all the eleven would follow through their martyrdom. Only John, tradition teaches us that he died at an old age. But it also teaches that he was boiled in oil and then banished to the Isle of Patmos. It doesn't say that if he was scarred from the oil, if he went in the oil and came out just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, if they just came out, it's like, do I smell smoke? The fire didn't harm them. It doesn't say that with John. It's tradition. But they all would follow. But Jesus went in advance by way of the cross. He did this in order that we might find forgiveness of sin and salvation that gives us access to the Godhead and the kingdom of God. Jesus not only prepared the way, but he is also preparing a place for us. He's prepared the way. And today, as we'll learn as we get to John 14, verses 2 and verse 6, that in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. In verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me or through me. Jesus' supreme example of love, it frees us to love and to serve others, but you can't do it right unless you get Jesus in your heart, first and foremost. You know, there are a lot of people that do good things for other people. But without Christ in the mix, it's just service without the true heart attitude. You know, today we've seen this supreme example of love through Jesus washing his disciples' feet, but also Jesus talking about his going to the cross. He was just beginning to share it with his disciples here. The disciples were clueless about what was going to take place. They didn't understand when Jesus three times at this point had already told him that he was going to Jerusalem, he was going to die, and that he would resurrect again from the grave. And the Bible tells us that they did not understand what he was talking about. It wasn't until after. And that's what Jesus said. I'm telling you these things now because when they take place, then you'll understand that I am he who had been talking to you, that I am the Messiah. And in the supreme example of love, we see that the ultimate example is the cross itself, the cross of Jesus Christ. But even with those who have hearts that are tainted like Judas's, I believe as long as you're living, no matter the heart, there's still grace enough at the cross to forgive our sins. But you have to come to Jesus. You have to receive him. And you have to believe in the work that he has done. Once we receive and believe, then we're able to serve others in love as he has called us to do. And so, Father, I pray that you would be with us. First and foremost, Lord, 
be with us that we know that we are cleansed of our sins through faith in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, that every person in this room, Lord, that there's a point where they have asked that you be the Lord and Savior of their life, where they have asked that you forgive their sins, that they would be saved. But also, Lord, as believers, we're much like Peter and the other disciples. We're clean. We've been bathed. We've been washed with the waters of salvation. But our work and our walk in this world, it taints us. It makes us dirty. And Lord, we need to be uh, washed as if our feet are being washed. Jesus, you said to Peter, if I do not wash your feet, you'll have no part. And sometimes, Lord, our fellowship with you is distance because even as believers, we refuse to surrender all to you. I pray, Lord, if there is one or two or all of us who need to just come to that place of surrender today, let it be so. Lord, that you would free us then as your followers to love and serve one another. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. We'll be right back. 